Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. So I'll teach you one of those today, okay? All right. Yep, we're done. Thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Man, you, your fingers will wear out if you're going to be here with me, pal. And uh, this is the prayer of Solomon. Solomon has been asked to be king, and he's trying to fill a big pair of shoes. And he said, I'm, I'm a little child. Watch, watch the, the cadence of the verse. Watch, watch the order of the verse. He said, I want you to teach me how to go out and how to come in. I always thought that was backwards. I thought, first of all, you go in and then you go out. But that's not what Solomon said. He said, first of all, teach me how to get out of something and then teach me how to come into something. So I, I, that's, that's pretty much the theme of what I'll be teaching you today, of, of getting out to get in. It's like Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, um, paranoid, God-loving, just, he, he won by a landslide. He won by a landslide. He, so he went in, wow, with all this, all these people voting for him. And he left almost with striped sunshine. And so he went in great, but he, he didn't leave good. And it's just, so walk with me through the word for a little while here today to, to help you understand something. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the book of direction for the New Testament is the book of Ephesians. There's, there's, there's no book in the New Testament quite like the book of Ephesians. Every other letter that either Paul or Peter or whoever wrote, every one of these letters is correcting something. Somewhere in that letter, they're upset about something and they're trying to straighten people out. There's nothing like that in the book of Ephesians. For six chapters, I'm convinced the church in Ephesus was light years ahead of everybody else with their revelatory understanding. But just as Ephesians is the book of direction for the New Testament, the book of Joshua is the book of direction for the Old Testament. There's nothing like Joshua. 30, 31 different kings were defeated. Seven nations conquered. 10,000 square miles of very choice real estate the, the, the book of Joshua covers seven years. And uh, the, these, these people were outnumbered, but they were, they were never outpowered. And, and, and they were the unlikely, but the unquestionable conquerors of some of the most barbaric armies ever in the history of the world. And, and if you read the book, if it would have been a prize fight, the ref would have called it in the first round. It was over. And, and, and I've always trusted the Bible for several reasons. Prophecy's a bit, I don't know a lot about prophecy. I tell people, I, I don't know a lot about prophecy, but I probably know as much as anybody else. And uh, um, I think my guess is as good as the next guy, you know. And, uh, um, but uh, I, that, that's probably not fair because a third of the Bible is prophecy. So I don't want to diminish it. It's a, there's, there's, 
the chances of the prophecies in the Bible being that accurate. You just can't compute the odds. So prophecy is a big deal. But one of the other reasons I trust the Bible is the Bible doesn't hide the flaws of its heroes. It'll show you, man, you know, that Moses shouldn't have done it, but he hit that rock. And, and you know, David took his best pal's wife and killed him. And, and, and you know, it's just uh, Abraham had too many wives and Jacob told too many lies and, and Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. And, and, and it's, just, it's just 400 years in Egypt followed by 40 years of just wandering and, and, and then later 70 years in Babylon and, and they built two temples and they lost both of them and they were given the most unique, most powerful piece of furniture in the history of the world and, and we still don't know what they did with the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, Babylon built her cities and Greece flexed her muscles and Rome stretched her empire and Israel. Well, in the, in the school of ancient societies, Israel was the kid with the black eye. It always got beat up by the bullies, except for those seven years. Those seven years in the book of Joshua are the hyphen between the difficult days of Exodus and the dark days of the judges. But for seven years, nobody could touch him. And when you read the book of Joshua, it startled me to realize it doesn't talk about how many chariots they had and how many archers they had and how many... They, it's, it's all about walking around cities and shouting and shining and, and it's, 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 it's talking about warfare in the spirit. And it's a big deal because I, when you read the book of Exodus, this is the way Exodus starts out. The people are mightier than we. There's more of them than we have. If they ever side with our enemy, we're going to lose. And what startled me to read that was, that's not what Israel was saying about themselves. That's what Pharaoh was saying about Israel. And my problem with Pentecost is we've got this national inferiority complex that we feel like somehow we're, we're, we're not quite up to it. And, and, and I, I don't sense that here. I, and I, I, that's all about leadership because every light attracts its own bugs. And uh, uh, like shepherd, like sheep. I mean, your pastor and his wife, they're not intimidated by anybody. And, and I, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about a confidence. You know, they've been in Maryland, built a great church there. Come here, look at this. You just don't, you just don't do this stuff unless you know in your heart God's talked to you. And, and, and so you're very blessed to have this kind of leadership. But as I travel across the country and a lot of other places, it's just, I, I just sense these people that feel like we're still in a storefront somewhere or we're still in some corrugated tin shack somewhere and, and we're on the, still on the other side of the tracks. That's, if we could see the church the way Satan sees the church, if we could get the understanding of just, see, see, everything else in this city is going according to plan. If you were Satan, where is the one place that you would make sure that you fought and fought very strongly? And that's the church. 
this place is the only thing in this city that has the potential of messing up his plans. And you've got to understand that. You have to guard against that. And, and, and so let, let, me, let me teach you about gospels. Not, not gospel. I'm convinced there's at least four gospels in the Bible. Um, there, there's the gospel of your salvation. There's what's known as another gospel. There's a gospel of the kingdom. There's something called the gospel of peace. There's at least four. Let, let me give you just a synopsis of, of, of the first three. Um, if I asked you a question, what is the gospel? M- most people, when I teach Bible studies, they, 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 their answer to that is, uh, it's a good news. Gospel is a good news. And, and that's right. It, 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 but, but if we use scripture to explain scripture, what, what, what is the gospel? The, the good news is the bad news is wrong. Okay? That, that's the good news. But if we're using Bible, the best place in the Bible is Corinthians 15. It said Jesus died and he was buried and that he rose again because Paul said, moreover, brethren, I'm going to declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have received. That's why you're standing. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried and rose again the third day according to scripture. So, so using scripture to explain scripture, the gospel of your salvation. Re- Revelation talks about I saw an angel flying with the everlasting gospel. And I'm convinced the gospel of your salvation is death, burial, and resurrection. Um, Why is it important? Romans 1 and 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Remember everybody had their wristbands a while ago, WWJD, you know. Do you you know where that came from? A man named Charles Sheldon wrote a book years ago called In His Steps. And it's the story of a church that needs a preacher and they, they can't find any. So they grabbed this young guy and their church said, we want you to be our pastor. And he said, I don't have any formal training. I've never been to seminary. I've never been to Bible college. Uh, and, and they said, we don't care. Would you be willing to do the job? And he said, okay. So he goes and he, and he finds this verse in Peter that says, he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And he said, okay, that's going to be my MO. That's going to be my method of pastoring. Whenever I come to a problem, I'm going to go through the word and I'm going to try and figure out if Jesus was here, how would Jesus handle this? And the book is about all of the problems that the young preacher gets into with the church, not the sinners, but with the church when he starts trying to deal with things on a Jesus level. And so everybody, WWJD. And so I, I got all the kids and we did our own wristbands, IDWJD. It wasn't what would Jesus do? I, I know what Jesus did. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. So we did our own wristband that said IDW, which means I did what Jesus did. Jesus died, I died. Jesus buried, I was buried. Jesus resurrected. We identify with his death through repentance. We identify with his burial through water baptism. And we identify with his resurrection through the infilling of the spirit. Okay? You, you know that. That's, that's, that's kindergarten stuff. And, 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 and that, 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 that's, that's the gospel of, of, of your salvation. But, but 
then I, I, I found something else that, that stunned me. It was, um, let's see, Nick, try, uh, try 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and 4. Second Corinthians, I, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here, but let's see. Whoa, man, I need to lose some weight. Holy smokes. Gee whiz, looks like a Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. In Detroit, they used to have cars body by Fisher. Said, this is a body by hostess, you know. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> you got me, Nick? I love that. I, I, you know, as a speaker, you never want to get the sound people mad at you because they got about 900 buttons and they can give you a really bad day really, really fast. So I love sound people and scripture people. And I'm usually going 100 miles an hour, so she'll have to have anointed fingers, but whatever. But it's just, uh, um, oh, I'm wrong. Then it, uh, how about, how about, how about 11? 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. See if that, it's either first or second. And, uh, uh, oh, there it is. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel. So there's another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. And I'm wondering, what, what is that about? And since we got all the kiddies out of here, then I can, let, let me give you a little biology lesson on how to have babies, okay? In order to have a baby, you've got to have a father and a mother. And the father provides seed, and the mother provides a womb and when the seed is deposited in the womb that's where life takes place and um, someone just sent me this amazing text two days ago and they said do you realize pastor that when Elizabeth met Mary and Mary told her cousin that the Messiah the Messiah was she was going to give birth to the Messiah John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's belly, the Bible said the babe leaped in her womb. So in other words, the very first person to actually worship the Messiah was an unborn baby. A fetus, they call that. But there's life in there. In the, in the Orthodox Jewish community, birthdays are celebrated three months after they're born because they've been alive for 12 months not just three, and we're, we're in this great fight, you know, for all that, and I can't get sidetracked with all that, but uh, um, father deposits seed into the womb of the mother. That's how life takes place. This is what it says in Corinthians. Uh, it says, how be it that is not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. So if you want to understand spiritual truths, study natural events. Okay? So if that's the way it works in the natural, that's the way it works in the spiritual. Okay? So we've got to identify who's the dad and who's the mom. There shouldn't be any doubt in this congregation right now who our father is, okay? Nick, see if you can find me Hebrews 12 and 
Try 12 and 7 or 12 and 8. If any be without chastisement, that's the way it begins. And so, so we all know who our father is. Here's the question. Who's the mom? And, and, and in order, watch. Now, uh, I don't like this word, but I, if, if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're illegitimates and not sons. That's a, that's a crude word, but you, you're big boys and girls. You get it, okay? So Paul or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is saying that there's real sons of God and then there's illegitimate kids. So my question is, how do we know who's who? Okay, so in order to do that, first of all, we have to identify father and mother. We know who our father is, but who's our mother? So keep going, Nick, and do like 22, Hebrews 12 and 22, because it's like Galatia. It's comparing mountains. It says, you know, we, we are not come to Sinai, but then it says we are come unto Mount Zion, okay? Uh, and then it'll say, under the city of the living God, and then it'll say this, the heavenly Jerusalem, okay? It's synonymous. It's all the same thing. To innumerable company of angels, when you go to the next verse, watch what it says in the next verse. It'll say, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. So who is Zion? Zion is the heavenly Jerusalem. Zion is the church. Now, just remember that phrase, heavenly Jerusalem. Give me, give me Galatians 4 and try 28, Nicole. Watch, 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 watch this verse. It says, now we, brother, keep going. Is it before or after? It'll say, um, but Jerusalem, which is above. Where's that one at, Nick? It's got to be somewhere in there. There we go, 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, what is that? That's the heavenly Jerusalem, the one that's above. Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So when you take Galatians 4 and you combine it with Hebrews 12, it's giving you all these. Do we have access to the blood of Jesus today? Of course we do. When you read Hebrews 12, it said, we've come to the blood of sprinkling. Do you believe we have access to angels? I do. I, I very, very, I wish I could, don't have time. Just, I believe in that so very strongly. Do, 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 do you believe we're the church? I do. If we're the church, we are the heavenly Jerusalem. We are Zion. The church is the mother. Right? You know, I, you walk around here, and I know it's a little weird if you, you don't know all the Pentecostal semantics, but it's just, we got our own, you know, every, every discipline and every, every type of employment or every job, they got their own vocabulary, you know, you know it, when you deal with, you know, I'm, I, I tell the, all these computer kids, I don't know my RAM from my ROM, you know, and, 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 because for me, a RAM was something that lived on a mountain, but no, 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 it's, it's a whole different language, you know. And, 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 it, and it's the same thing in Pentecost. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. But it's really true. Because you see, you have the same dad. You got the same mom. By one spirit, 
Are we all baptized into one? Got the same blood. Got the same last name. The Bible said, in whom all the family in heaven and earth is named. So if you got same mom, same dad, same spirit, same blood, same last name, you be kin. All right? Is that, is that a Louisiana word? That's, that's hillbilly word, but you know, you, you got it. You, you, you got brothers and sisters on the other side of this planet. You can't even pronounce their names. But we're going to have family reunion one day. You don't want to miss that. That's going to be a big deal when everybody gets together, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that'll be. Okay? Watch. How do you get an illegitimate child? Somebody's got to be unfaithful. It can't be our father because he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's only one option. Mom, the church. You see, the church can get involved with something that Paul called another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And they have kids. Yes, they do. They, 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 they sit on our, our chairs and our pews. Here's the difference. They got the same mom, just got a different dad. What are you, what are you, what, what's going on here? It's just, if the church, if he's our father and the church is our mother, and when they get together, they produce kids, those are real legitimate sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. How do you know if you're a real child of Jesus or not? It's easy. Can you be chastened? Can you be corrected? Do you have a teachable spirit? If you can't be taught, if you are without chastisement, you're illegitimate. I, I, I can't tell you how many times through the years I've been threatened with God knows everything, you know, and, and, and I've, I've, I never really, ha- I would never, was never really successful with wealthy people. And um, um, uh, I, I just, I, I've, I've taught a lot of Bible studies, thousands of Bible studies, and, 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 and had some amazing experiences. But I, usually I strike out with wealthy, wealthy people because sooner or later, see, we've got this whole television, uh, internet, the, the, all, all, all these mercenary prophets are teaching this, that money is the obvious sign of the blessing of Jesus Christ. And if you got a lot of money, God's blessing you. Satan's got money too, folks. Satan told Jesus, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you this world, for it has been delivered unto me. Where did he get it? Watch, he's in heaven, he gets booted out, okay? When Satan comes to the garden, he's a panhandler. Adam's been given dominion over the planet, not Satan. But when Adam buys into the lie, he transfers the dominion that God gave him to to Satan. Now, Satan's got power for the second time. That's all the way until the cross. But when you read Colossians, it said, he made a show of them openly and stripped them. That's why the early church in 30 years touched the world because they're dealing with a recently 
stripped enemy. Now, Satan's got power again for the third time. And the question is, where did he get it? If you've ever dealt with people in the occult, it's very common, and I've had multiple excursions in that very dark world, and they open themselves up to these spirits, and, 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 and that thing says, I'll give you power. But this is what the Bible said. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. There can't be two all powers. There can only be one. But then in Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he's sharing power with us. That explains this verse that says, and I will give you power over all the power of the enemy that you can, you can, you, how's it, you can tread on serpents and scorpions. That's like Luke 10. See, see, in English, it's the same word, power, but it's not the same in, in the original. One, one is the word dunamis, and the other is exousia. One means uh, ability. The other means authority. So when he says, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy, what he's saying is the enemy has ability, but I've given you authority over all of his ability. And you can... I mean, think of a serpents and scorpions. A scorpion bites you with his tail. A snake bites you with his head. Jesus is saying, heads or tails, you win. I've given you power over all of his power. Do you get what's going on here? That, that's, that's, that's why it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Don't, don't ever say, oh, they're, they're never coming back. Shut up! That marriage will never be healed. Shut up! Why? That's life and death in your mouth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan doesn't have power. Jesus has power. He shared it with the church. So how did Satan get power for the third time? He was in heaven. He lost it. He got it back at the garden. He lost it at the cross. Now we're dealing with a powerful enemy. Where did he get it? There's only one place for him to get it, from the church. You've got to be careful the way you talk because your words empower one kingdom or another. Be careful how you talk. Because it's either exalting his kingdom or the kingdom of the enemy. You got that? That's powerful. Because, you know, I, I've had people say, you know, I, I had a wealthy guy years ago and he, he was just cabillions, just crazy money. And, you know, and he wanted me to lie to the IRS so he could get a tax break with his company. And I said, I, I, I can't do that. And he said, well, the other two pastors I had did it. And he, he said, listen, I'm going to starve you out. And I said, look, man, if it, was my, if it was my church, you could probably shut it down. But, 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 but it's not my church. It's his. And, the, and Jesus was paying my bills a long time before I ever met you. And you're not going to shut me down. And it just and you deal with all these threats. And all, it's, 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 I so respect your pastor for so many reasons, but I, I, I have a friend that's in deep, deep, deep debt right now millions and millions and millions and he's starting to get goofy and I said listen man you can't make spiritual decisions based on money 
You can't be intimidated by them little yellow envelopes that come in them plates every Sunday and afraid you're going to run somebody off. See, see, if there really is a heaven and if there really is a hell and if there really is a lake of fire and if there really are streets of gold, the best friend on the planet that you have is an anointed man of God that will look you right in the eye and say, you can't do that and please Jesus. And that's what you want to do with your pastor. Preach to me, pastor. For goodness sakes, I'm a big boy. I'm a, you're not going to run me off. I'm not going to. I'm teachable. I, I, got a, I got a teachable spirit. Talk to me. So you have the gospel of your salvation, and then you have, you have another gospel which produces illegitimate kids. Do you understand it when you're past? See, the Bible said we were born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So that when your pastor preaches and teaches the word, the seed of the word is deposited into the womb of you, who's the mom. And that's where life takes place. I think sometimes we ought to paint churches pink and blue. This is a nursery. Why? I get so... I, 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 I'm a, I've always been a one-man crusade against Orthodox Pentecostalism. I, I, I chafe, and it, it just drives me crazy. And someone will come, and all of a sudden they'll get up and leave, and, and, and some old deadhead will say, well, they weren't hungry. And you've got to understand, it's not... This is why Zion is not an Old Testament hill. Zion is the church. I'll prove it to you. When Zion travails... That's not a mountain. That's the church. See, it's not the job of the sinner to travail when they get. It's the job of the church to have travailed before they get here. When they get here, they feel something. They go, what is that? So don't put the responsibility on the sinner. Put it on us. kids were born. My wife wasn't playing Sudoku. I mean, it was, ah! I mean, the first one, 28 hours of transition labor. That's the rough stuff. I mean, I'm falling asleep between contractions. She slapped me and said, hey, you had something to do with this. Wake up. <laughs> There's just times that just don't do that patty cake stuff for Jesus, man. Get in that intercessory flow of the Holy Ghost. And just get that birth take, receive that engrafted word. That's where the life starts, in you, not in them. I saw everything in the book of Acts happen except one thing. I never saw anybody come back to life. Never, ever saw it. And three years ago, we had this guy named Rich Queen that came to church. We had this guy named Dwayne West. He's, a, he's applying to be a missionary now for the form. They said the, the crime rate in Detroit went down 30% when Dwayne West got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he, was a, he was a heathen, man. And, and, and so he brings Rich Queen to church. And Rich had so much ink on him, I didn't know whether to talk to him or just read him. I mean, you could get a, a very spicy education just looking at Rich's tattoos, you know. And, and the first time he comes to church, he's sitting over to my, my right, and I get about 20 minutes into what I'm doing. The presence of God starts moving. Rich freaks out, stands up, flips me off, says, F you, and walks out. And, and so I'm laughing, and I said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And he just, he walks out, and the people, you know, all the old, old liners are going, oh, I never heard that in church, you know. And it's like, 
And uh, so what? You know, let it go. And so two weeks later, Rich gets killed in an auto accident. His seatbelt breaks, goes through the windshield. He, the car he's in runs over him, and the car behind him ran over him. So he's dead, and he's naked as the day he's born in the morgue at Sterling Heights, and he wakes up and scares the coroner, slapped to death. And they're getting ready to do an autopsy on him. And he said, where's my clothes? And they said, pal, we had to cut your clothes off of you. you you're dead. He said, I'm not dead. Where's my phone? And they said, it's in an evidence bag over there. So he said, go get me the phone. So he calls Dwayne West and he says, Dwayne, this is Rich. And he said, Rich who? He said, where, where are you calling me? Are you calling me from heaven or somewhere else? And he said, I'm not dead, stupid. I'm down here. He said, I just left your mom. Your mom's broken. I just told your mom you're dead. I'm not dead. I'm naked down here in the morgue. <laughs> get me a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Come and get me. So Dwayne West took a t-shirt and a pair of jeans down the morgue, put them on Rich Queen as they're driving home. He said, your mom's going to be so happy to see you. He said, no, no, no. Take me to church. You gotta, I should have never flipped off Brother Hoffman. He said, I need to get baptized now. That's a true story. So I don't know if he was dead or not, but the next day he came. That was Saturday. He brought me this little card, and I said, Rich, what is this? He said, that's the tag that was on my toe. He said, any day you wake up without a tag on your toe is a good day. <laughs> Folks, too many things go on in church that can be explained. We need stuff to go on that nobody can explain. We need stuff to happen and people go, whoa, <laughs> only Jesus could have done that. We have that ability. Come on, we're up against the internet and, and, and Microsoft and, and Facebook and everything else. And for God's sakes, it's just the trump card is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They don't have that. You've got that. It's just... Let me, let me see. Okay, Nick, here you go. Matthew 4 and 23. Watch this. Oh, I got to go fast. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. It's in Matthew 9 and 35. It's in Matthew 24 and 14. I can give you verse after verse after verse. There's a powerful verse. It's in Isaiah 61. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. On and on and on and on. That's, that's, that's Jesus' first sermon in Luke chapter 4. This is what he's talking about. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now, give you a little Bible lesson. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. Death, resurrection of Jesus. That's as far as it goes. But if you read John 7, 37, 38, and 39, it said, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, not as the pastor has said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Watch. But this spake he of the Spirit, 
which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Jesus wasn't glorified yet. And we know that didn't happen until after he left the earth. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will only take you up to the ascension of Jesus. And, and the Bible said the Holy Ghost couldn't be poured out until after he left. That's why you got to go in the book of Acts. That, 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 that's why the book of Acts is so powerful about being filled with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 but I, I'm not in Acts. I'm in Matthew. And he says Jesus is preaching the gospel. But not just any gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Do you ever read this thing? It's in Matthew 16. Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to give you the keys, not to, the keys of the kingdom. What did he say right after that? He said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. He doesn't say nothing about Holy Ghost. He doesn't say nothing about Jesus' name, baptism. The keys of the kingdom that were given to Peter was all about binding and loosing, chaining things up and releasing things. Look at the book of Exodus. There's 40 chapters in the book of Exodus. This is how you divide it. Exodus 1 through 19 is all about deliverance. Exit. Exodus. Getting out. 20 through 24 are the rules. The law. 25 starts the tabernacle and goes through the end of the book. So in type, it's teaching us. First, there's deliverance. Then you get the teaching and you get the rules. And then you get involved in church life. And that's what every person in this city we're after. Don't teach them the rules first. Now, I'm, 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 I was talking to the pastor. When I first went to Michigan, I was considered ultra-liberal. Now I'm considered ultra-conservative. And we haven't changed. The same we were 30 years ago. But lots of stuff has changed around us. And I, 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 I've never been mean about this. I, I, I heard Merrill Cornwell. I was just with Merrill Cornwell last week and, and taught there for six days, three hours a night. That's what they wanted. I said, not even Jesus can keep people's attention for three hours. But Monday through Saturday, three hours. But, but I heard Merrill Cornwell say something years ago. He said, I am going to be the greatest soul winner in the history of the United Pentecostal Church. And I was 19. And when I heard him say that, I said, then I'm going to be number two. If you want the trophy, fine, but I'll take second place. And for all these years, my wife and I, that's what we do. It's just, uh, your pastor said something so wonderful to me last night. He's taking the motel. He said, I am a soul winner. And that just, that just resonates inside of me, man. I just, I, I, I had a man come to preach at our church a while ago, and he left and told all the other preachers, you, man, Brother Hoffman, he's got a liberal church. My God, they don't believe fat meat's greasy. And, and, and I said, I said, what do you do? Are you just preaching to Orthodox Pentecostals all your time, all the time? I said, I want to come into church and go, marijuana. (laughs) 
answer. Hmm, Bud Light. I, 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 want, I want to come into church and say, we have potential converts today. I don't want to just preach to the choir my whole life. And so our, our church is very similar to this. Just, we got everything in there, man. It's just, and it's fun. It's just fun. And I'm watching, because I, I watch, watch. Here, I, I, I've got this concept in my mind. Where does a mountain begin? Because God literally manifested his presence on Sinai and the mountain caught on fire, caught on fire. And he said, if you touch it, I'm going to kill you. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, kids, dog, cow, you touch it, you die. And he said, Moses, put a fence around about the mountain. Now, here's the cool thing. We don't know where Moses put the fence. He might have put the fence right at the bottom of the hill. But... Knowing what I know about Moses, I think he probably went a little ways to give him a buffer, being the kind of shepherd that he was. See, that's your pastor's job. You know, you know <laughs> how many times have him and I both heard this? People come and say, well, we, we were able to do this in the other church I went to. That's fine. You're not going to that church no more. But my other pastor let us do this. Well, then go back with him. I'm, that's not who I be. And you may think that, 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 that the pastor is, is so hard sometimes and such a dinosaur, but listen to me. When you make it, you're not going to be upset about the stuff he told you to stay away from. But if he dumbs it down and throws out the baby with the bathwater and you go to hell for eternity, you'll curse him, and not only will you be cursed, the teacher's going to receive the greater condemnation. They'll be right there with you. See, there's probably going to be people in the New Jerusalem that got to do stuff. Your pastor said, no, we're not doing that. But if you make it, you don't care. But if he just gets intimidated by this culture and keeps throwing everything out, see, here's here's, here's where Pentecost made the problem. Here's what he said. If you don't cut this and if you don't wear that, and if you don't play putt-putt golf, and if you, you don't, 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 don't have a Christmas tree, and don't have wedding rings, and all that, it's just, it, it, now if you'll do that, you, you'll be saved. God delivered these people miraculously out of Egypt. And then, for 19 chapters, deliverance, and then he gives them the rules. Those rules sure didn't guarantee those people got into the, Canaan land. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm all for rules because we are disciples. Disciplined. The rules are not there to guarantee you get to go to heaven. The rules are there to keep you from going back to Egypt. That's why the rules are there. And if as pastors, we get rid of all disciplines, it's just going to be so easy for somebody to go right back to that world that God miraculously delivered him from. Because here's what's taught in Pentecost. Egypt is the world. We're in bondage. How do you get out of Egypt? You got to have the blood. You got to have the water. You got to have the cloud. Okay? That's why when you read Corinthians 10, it says, all our fathers were baptized under Moses in the sea. And in, how do you eat the Passover meal? 
You don't eat it with your jammies on. You eat it, your pack's on your back, staff's in your hand, boots on. Why? Because when the blood begins to be applied to your life. See, if they would have stayed in that blood-covered house, Pharaoh would have got over the trauma of his dead boy and killed him. Great. Isn't it Jerry Clower? Graveyard dead right in that house. Still with the blood on the door. All right? Why? Because when the blood begins to be applied to your life, you don't put a dime in a meter and say, I like it here. You do exactly what Israel did. Get your carcass to the water as fast as you can. And when you come out of that, the Bible said you rise to walk of newness of life and there's this cloud, man, not just any cloud. This dude got water and it's got manna and shade by day and heat by night. This is a manifestation of the presence of God. See, the Spirit of God comes in two flavors. There's the omnipresence of God and then there's the manifest presence. It's not the same. One Bible says, one scripture said, the glory of the Lord fills the earth. But there's a prophecy said, at that day, the knowledge of the glory is gonna fill the earth. I used to ask people, who's the first one that got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost? Was it Mary, the, the virgin? Was it Pete, the guy with the keys? How about John, the, the, the beloved disciple? It's in the book of John. He wrote that about himself. <laughs> so who got the Holy Ghost first? This blessed virgin or the guy with the keys or John, the beloved? No, the first one that got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost was the house. It filled all the house where they were sitting. He manifested his presence in that place. See, it's one thing to come to church and people, I used to preach this message called getting what I wasn't looking for and wouldn't trade what I found for what I was looking for and never got. And I, they had cassettes back then. I don't even know how they put that all on a cassette tape as a title. I, it wasn't a good message, but it was a great title, you know. And, and, <laughs> and, and it's the story of Saul. You know, the gate gets open, the donkeys get out, and his dad said, go out there and find them donkeys. And he's out looking for these donkeys, and he meets this prophet by the name of Samuel. Samuel takes a horn of oil. Do the homework. It's six quarts. It's a gallon and a half. He dumps a gallon. Guy smells like a Greek deli, man. He pours a gallon and a half of oil on this dude. He comes back home with all this sticky goo coming off his hair. Never did find the donkeys. And and, and his dad said, what happened? Nothing. That's what goes on in church. I've seen boys come to church looking for girls. I've seen girls come to church looking for boyfriends. I, every Sunday there's at our church, there's always somebody wanting money, you know? And, and I see people that come just for the social aspect of it. I don't care why they come. Jesus said, compel them to come to the feast. I don't care what they're looking for. I just want to get them into, and all of a sudden, the manifestation of his presence, and they go, who was that? That's what we're after. Please. Please find me the verse. I've heard this free will agent stuff all my life. I want to know where the Bible verse is where Saul of Tarsus said, it's time for me to repent. It's time for me to change. You can't find a verse where that guy wanted to change. Right? You know why? It was about Stephen's prayer. When Stephen's praying, it's like Jesus said, where's the lights at? Well, boss, we haven't used it. Well, go find the lights in the generator and get down there by that rock. And when I tell you, Wham! Pow! And his gluteus maximus is on the dirt road to Damascus. And he's saying, who in the world are you? 
Why did Jesus choose Saul? It wasn't because of Saul's prayer. It was the prayer of Stephen. The Bible said when God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, it's exactly what I'm, See, you can burglarize somebody's will. I don't care why they come to church. If you can break the box and release the presence of God in this place, it will override their brain. See, their flesh says, get out of here. The mind says, these people are stupid. And the spirit goes, wait a minute. It smells very, this sounds vaguely familiar. That's what we want. Watch. I got I to go fast, ladies and gentlemen. I was taught all my life, Egypt's the world. We get out of the bondage of the world through blood, water, and spirit. Now we're in the wilderness. And we're just, this is our wilderness journey down here. And one of these days we're going to cross Jordan and we're going to Canaan land. Hallelujah. When I was a kid, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Old hillbilly, I'll meet you by the river at the end of the day. I, I, I taught all my life. Egypt's a world, wilderness is here, we're going to Canaan. I sure hope not. There's giants in Canaan. They lost battles in Canaan. Canaan's not heaven. It's promise land. go fast. Thank you for listening. I haven't been here. might never come back. I just want to put something in your spirit. Watch. Watch. In Romans 15 and verse 4, this is what it says. The things written aforetime, or in the Old Testament, were written for our learning, not theirs, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Watch this. This is Corinthians 10 and 11. If you're familiar with Corinthians 10, it starts out with Moses and them getting out of Egypt and all that stuff. But this is what it said. All these things happen unto them for examples unto us. And they are written for our admonition. It wasn't for them. What they went through is a lesson for us. That's why when you read Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7, in 7 and 38 or 58, he refers to Israel as the church in the wilderness. What's the lesson? Jesus, or not Jesus, when, when, when the Lord spoke to Moses, give them this verse and I'll stop there next. This is Exodus 3 and 6. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I am come down to deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians unto a land, a large, that flows with milk and honey. See, we always talk about the land of milk and honey, but what God never told Moses is somebody else owned the cows and somebody else owned the bees. But it's there. I, I, oh, that's not it. I'm going to keep going, Nick. Is it three, 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 six, seven, eight? It'll say it there. That's, that's. Just scroll down one or two more verses. I want these people to know that I'm in the Bible. It'll say, it, it'll say, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. There it is, eight. Watch. First, you've got to get out. 
and then you've got to get in. I asked, I was at a, at a youth camp last summer, and, and, and I was teaching these kids. I said, okay, if, you, if your plane crashes in a desert, how can you find water? All these kids were brilliant. Ah, oh, get on a high spot and, and see if you can find some trees growing. That's an old riverbed. There'll be water. No, said, no, follow the bees, man. Follow bees. And another kid said, no, just follow animal tracks. Animal know what the water is. And I said, no, 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 you're all wrong. Here's what you do. Whenever you see a cactus, you just back away from it. And whenever you see a rattlesnake, you just back away from it. And when you ever see a really bad spider, you just back away from it. And if you just back away from all the bad stuff, you'll just run into water automatically. Do you believe that? And they go, no. I said, well, Pentecost does. Because this is Pentecost's approach to holiness. I'm going to stay away from this, and I'm going to stay away from that, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm never going to do that. And I'm just going to be holy by default. Ladies and gentlemen, this pulpit has never committed adultery. It's not holy. Watch. Being born again is just exactly that. It's the birth message. It's not the grown-up message. Watch. Jesus looks at Nicodemus. He tells Nicodemus five things. Number one, you have to be born again. Everybody preaches that. But then he qualifies. He said, you've got to be born of water and spirit. And then he says this. If you're not born of water and spirit, you're not even going to see the kingdom. And then he said, if you're not born of water and spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. And the fifth thing he said was, watch for the wind. That's why I always believe Nicodemus was there on the day of Pentecost when the wind came. That's what the master said to watch for. It's just probable, not provable. Here's my point. We've been taught all our lives in Pentecost, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you're automatically in the kingdom. No, you aren't. You're not even going to see it until you're born of water and spirit. Where are all these people you've baptized in the last 15 years? Where, you tell me their sins weren't washed away? Where are all these people that got the Holy Ghost in this church since you started 15 years? Where are they? You tell me they didn't get the real Holy Ghost? Of course they got the real Holy Ghost. Here's the deal. When you get born again, there's a, you see it and you go, oh, I think I'm going to have to make some changes. I, 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 I didn't sign on for changes. I just want my goosebump machine to work good. I just want to I just want to talk in tongues, man. I just want to groove to the music, man. Go ahead, Donovan. Do your thing, man. It's just, whoa. Whoa, you 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 mean I got to change? Yeah. Yeah. It's any man be in crises and things are passing away. Things are becoming new. Watch, ladies and gentlemen. I got a, I, I got too much information out here. You buy it and you can listen to it a couple more times. Watch. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance. I've 
got all these people in the church that I pastor. They're still living together. I've got four of them right now. They're shacking up. They've already been baptized, got the Holy Ghost. Now, my pastor would have said they didn't get the real Holy Ghost. But I believe they got the real Holy Ghost, see? Because God honors faith wherever he finds it at. I don't care what you are, who you are, what you've done. When you have faith in the Lord, you can't please him without faith. But when you have faith in him, it pleases him and he'll come to where you are. Okay? But you can't stay at a point of faith. You need to add to your faith virtue, which means you start need to start cleaning stuff up. And then you start getting some knowledge and you get in that word. Then you get some temperance, which is discipline, self-control. And then you get some godliness and brotherly kindness. My point is, we can't just keep harping about, I got out, I got out, I got out, I got Jesus' name baptized, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's great. That's your exit message. That's not your entrance message. Jesus wants to do more than get you out of the world. He wants to get you into promise. Promised land is not heaven. It's a dimension of the spirit we should be living in now. Because the promises of the Lord are yea and amen. I can sense it in this church because I've been down this road many, many years. Here's how you build a great church. You've got to have a yes coming from the pulpit and you've got to have an amen coming from the pew. If you got a pastor that knows where he's going, but he's pastoring a lousy church, it ain't going to work. If you got a church on fire, but they got a rotten preacher, it ain't going to work. But this guy is coming up to you week after week saying, I feel very strongly. This is what the Lord is telling me to do. And the church goes, amen. And when you get the yes and the amen together, oh, it starts getting, look what's going on here. You're defying all the statistics. I love this place because you're not full of a bunch of Orthodox Pentecostal. There's a whole subculture in Pentecost that'll just come to what's the flavor of the month? I'm going over to Donovan's church, man. That's cool. Just cut this out. We're after. For years, I said, no Pentecostals are coming to this church. None. We're going for Catholics. We did. We did. So he called it First Church. And they come to us and they say, is this a Catholic church? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's Catholic. I'm not lying. Catholic just means worldwide. I'm a part of a universal church. I said, we're Jerusalem Catholic. We're not Roman Catholic. And they go, okay. And I said, well, you know who the first pope was? Peter, yeah. I preach what Peter preached. Here, let me show you. It's in the book of Acts. I preached out of a Catholic Bible a lot of times. I had this lady named, I wish you could have met this lady. <laughs> she we she comes with a huge Mercedes, long mink coat. She comes up around the altar. Her name's Gloria, and, and she's devout Catholic. And, and, and she comes up around the around the altar. Doesn't have a clue what's going on, but sense in the presence of God. Sticks her hand in her mink coat and goes, "Holy Mary, Mother of God, blessed be the fruit of thy womb, Jesus." And she said, "Pastor, my finger froze on the bead, so I just kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus." And the Holy Ghost came on her and she went, whoa. And when she did it, honest to goodness, her rosary went, pow, and landed in the baptistry. And we just left it there. And she served God faithfully for three years and paid, I I said I didn't have, yeah, I did, Valerie, she gave us a lot of money. And so when, when, when I buried her, her husband, Max, came. Max never came to church. And I'm up by the coffin, and I'm shaking people's hand. I said, Max, I, I just, I want you, I'm just so grateful that you trusted us with Gloria. He said, Pastor, let me hug you. And, 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 and I thought Max was going to be broken. He said, Pastor, 
you have saved me millions of dollars. I said, what? He said, you never knew it, Pastor, but my wife was addicted to gambling. And he said, she bankrupted one of my companies and the other two, she spent millions in them casinos. When she'd write that tithing check, I'd go, hallelujah. She said that tithing, he said that tithing check was nothing compared to the millions she lost in the casino. Pastor, I was so glad she came to this church. You saved me millions of dollars. <laughs> the pastor's got two Valerie's, just like I do. And I got a, a, an administrative assistant named Valerie. And when Valerie and Jeff came to church, they're living together, multiply divorced, trouble with the IRS, blah, 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 blah. And so I, I, I challenged them, start talking to them about different things. Valerie came to my office and she said, just tell me the rules, Pastor Hoffman. And I said, no, Valerie, you don't, you don't, you, you don't, you don't take a shower before you get a bath. I said, I, I, I said, let, let, just come to church for a while. She said, no, 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 no. What's all this about these dresses and, and, and all this raising of hands and all that? What's going on with all that? And so I said, we'll get into that later. She said, no, 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 no. She said, you don't understand, Pastor Robin. You can't offend me. I'm coming to this church for the rest of my life. She said, I, I, I just want to understand. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. She said, you have no idea the hell we've been through. This is nothing compared to what we've been through. And so I start teaching about tithing. And Jeff's going, 10%. He said, once I do taxes and tithes, he said, that's a third of my money. And she said, shut up. And they're doing this tithing thing. Well, Valerie's a bean counter, and I've got this wonderful letter in my files, and it says, dear Pastor Hoffman, here's our budget the year before we got into church. So much for cocaine, so much for marijuana, so much for alimony payments, so much for trouble with the IRS. She said, here's our tithing and here's our offerings for the first church, first year we were in church. She said, you're right, Brother Hoffman. It was cheaper to go to heaven. Because what they spent before they got in church was much, much more than what they did when they came into kingdom. You start seeing these things. People start, can't you sense that? God is just going, come on, come on, come on, come on. Can't you? Here's G. I, I, I got a hush. I, I don't usually do this, but you're pulling something out of me. I'm trying to get some. He, he, Jesus preaches a message. Thousands of people leave. He turns around and looks at his disciples and said, are you going to leave? Go. Get. Just get. I'll get another dirty dozen. Get out of here. And Pete says, where are we going to go now? We left everything to follow you. So a little while later, Jesus is walking on the water. And, 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 and Pete is in this boat that he said he didn't own anymore. And all the disciples say, it's a ghost. And Peter said, nah, man, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And he looks at Pete and he says, nice boat you got there, Pete. He said, yeah, I got a yard sale last weekend. He said, well, you told me you got rid of that. Uh, I'll tell you what, Pete, let's, let's really get rid of it this time. Come here. You mean now? Yeah, right now. I want you to walk away from that boat for real right now. Here's the concept, ladies and gentlemen. He's never out of sight. He's just out of reach. And he's just calling you going, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Oh, will you stand? Will you stand? It's just like 
I, I know I've been here a long time, but but we're going to make a covenant today around this altar that this is going to be the greatest year of spiritual growth you've ever had. God's done amazing things with you, and we're all grateful. But here's what my, my here's what I'm trying to get across to you. Don't just keep worshiping God for how he got you out of the world. It's time to get into promise. It's time for those promises of God to start working. Come come with me around the altar. I won't embarrass you. I promise you. Just everybody, if, if you would, just, I, I, just, just come. Just come around this altar. Just come around this altar. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, if it's appropriate, I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of someone by you. Brother to brother, sister to sister. Just to I'm not going to be Joe Biden here and do anything stupid, you know. <laughs> Although, whatever. I was in a restaurant a while ago, just last week, talking to some kids, and my wife said, quit doing that. They're going to think you're weird. And I just hate it that our culture has been so denigrated to where now everybody's a pedophile and a weirdo, and, and you can't even shake somebody's hand anymore, but. Close your eyes and pray with me. Lord Jesus, this is my brother and my sister. I, I, I may know them well, I may not know them well, but I know you well and I know what you've done in my life and I'm no less and I am no more than what I've got my hand on right now. I'm not praying for them because I'm better than they are. The truth is, Lord, there's not a person in this room that is as close to you as they could be. There's not a person in this room that knows as much about you as they could know. But Lord, if there's anything in me that's good, Take it out of me and give it to my brother and my sister right now. You said freely we have received. Freely we give away. Oh, Lord, if I've got my hand on somebody that's sick in their body, you didn't say faith left you. You didn't say healing left you. You said virtue left you. I'm trying to leave live clean. I'm trying to live godly. I'm trying to live a righteous life. I'm asking you, Lord, to take virtue out of me. Whether they know it or not, they may know they're sick, they may not know they're sick, but you know. I'm asking you, God, right now, heal their body. If I've got my hand on somebody that has lost their way and they don't know what to do, take latitude and longitude out of me right now and give it to my brother and my sister. Take away the smoke and the fog and the mirrors and maybe for the first time in a long time let them see where they are and where they need to go. If I've got my hand on somebody whose family is under attack, I'm praying God right now put a hedge round about them. Put a canopy over them. Put a foundation beneath them. Protect that family. Protect their kids. If I'm praying for somebody that's got a lost girl and a lost boy. Like the prodigal Lord, let them come to themselves right now while we're praying. Wherever they are across this country or around this world, in the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you, God, to touch them right now. If I've got my hand on somebody with anxiety and oppression and pressure and despair. Holy God, use me in the Holy Ghost right now 
to be a means and a method and a weapon right now to be able to help my brother and sister defeat this horrible thing. You said no weapon formed against us will prosper. It's already been built. It's already been designed. Take the batteries out of it. Throw the switch. Shut the door. Lord, I'm asking you right now, if there's somebody in this room, Jesus, that's never been buried in your name, I want to settle that question today. I'm going to get buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I've got my hand on somebody that's never been filled with the Holy Spirit, oh, Jesus, as we exalt you and praise you right now, I want them to do more than feel you on them. I want you in them, God. I want them to be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray for my pastor. I pray for his wife. I pray for his family. I make a covenant, Lord. I'm a pastor's friend. I'm a pastor's wife's friend. I will stand in the gap for them. No one's going to say anything about my pastor. No one's going to say anything about my pastor's wife. Nobody's going to touch my pastor's family. Nobody's going to talk about my church. This is my church. You're not going to put my tongue on my church. I believe in this, Lord. And I believe you're using us to touch this community. Father, there are people... We don't even have their names yet. We don't even know where they are, but you right now know. And we're touching them, Lord, in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's raise our hands. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.